Welcome back to Bob Talk with Talia Little. Um, before we begin today, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners on what country I'm recording on. So I'm recording on Bunurong country. Nookie, where are you recording from? Um, it's up Gadigalwazia. True. I actually did a podcast with Kobe D and he's in, he's on Gadigal country too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's around there, the lad. Oh, you might live in Sydney, I swear. Yeah, yeah. Most Gadigal of country. Yeah, yeah. A lot of us are here. It's kind of where all the, um, you know, it's where it's all happening. Yeah, well, especially for music, I feel. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's kind of why like, I came here, like I left Nara, you know. I was born and raised down So, where's Nara? Um, a few hours down from Sydney, so like three hours down, down the coast. Like, it's like around Jervis Bay and that, a little bit further oh, south. Oh, yeah. My uh, grandparents used to have a little house near Jervis Bay. It's nice there. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. That's the spot. Yeah. Did you always grow up there? Like, what? where did you, where'd you come from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Born and raised there. So that's all my family's from there. We're all Yawn breeds. Um, yeah. So I was born and raised there till I was like 17, 18 or something like that. I just kind of left there. Like, um, had to get out of there. You know what I mean? Like, um, kind of took music as far as I could take it in my little town. So I had to, yeah, come up to the city to you know, give it a good crack and that. So taking it back to like where you first began, can you just kind of tell us here at Mob Talk, what, like, what's your story? How did how did you start? Did you grow up with family? Did you grow up on country? Like, where did it all begin? Yeah, so I was saying, yeah, um, grew up, grew up with my family, my community, you know, knowing my place, knowing who I was, um, and whatnot. Yeah, down in Nara there. Uh, then like, uh, the other half of my family's from uh, the north coast, uh, Dungari Mob. Um, from Bellbrook, so that was kind of always like the holidays and stuff. Like grew up with my South Coast family, holidays ago I visited the North Coast family and that. Did yeah. you grow up like? Did you grow up strong in culture? Like, was that is that is there a lot of culture still alive that way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you grow up dancing and stuff? Yeah, sorry, I just got some. Oh, too deadly. Mornings, um, yeah. So, uh, grew up dancing, uh, speaking a little bit of language. Um, just like knowing how how family structures work, how kinship works down there. Um, my old man used to take us out bush and show us, you know, foods and medicine and stuff. Um, in the ocean as well, we're like saltwater people. Lived off the ocean, so like dad and the uncles used to take us out, show us how to, you know, provide for the family from the water, like diving, getting abalone, oysters, mussels, lobster, how to fish. All that, you know, kind of how to, you know, sustain and how to provide from the ocean. Um, I still do ceremonies down there. Still a lot of sacred sites down there. Um, oh. Yeah, you know. Um, so it was very lucky in that regard. And um, that's kind of actually how, I, I don't know, so I'd say that's how I kind of, you know, got my confidence and um, got my stage presence. Life was That was the very beginning of that. That was the early stages. Um growing up dancing. See, I used to, um, yeah, I don't know. I was one of those kids that, you know, school just wasn't it for me. So, yeah, due to a different, you know, mix of reasons, racism, um, you know, me kind of being a little bit energetic, you know what I mean? Like, don't like to sit still. I feel that, I feel that. Yeah, so, like, I found myself in trouble a lot of the time. Um, So, 
in primary school, you know, I suspended a lot. Went to a little bit like used to do stints at like a behavioral school, <laughs> things like that. Like it was pretty yeah. hectic for me. So suspension, behavioral school. One point there, I got the only only ever used to have to do half a day at school. I used to get to go home at lunchtime. Um, and then if there was a substitute teacher there in my class, then I got the yeah again I got to go. Um, so yeah, I was I was that kid, you know. And um, so it wasn't going working out too well for me. And this is early. This is primary school. This is not even high school yet. Um, so my mum, I don't know. My mum was very very tricky. Eh? Very switched on. She kind of seen me. Yeah, you know, seeing the path I was heading down, it's like, oh, I need need to help this boy. So she asked um to my uncles to come in and be teachers' aides. Um so they they done that, they figured that out somehow. So um my uncles used to my come uncles in. Uncles came to school. Come to school and they used to sit with me oh, and true. You know, settle me down if I was getting angry or mucking up or, or sticking up for me too. Like if there was some, you know, redneck shit going on with the teachers. Um so it was mad to have them and Part of the thing they used to do for me is um they used to take me down to the back oval and teach me dance. Um, so they started off like they used to just take me down there by myself and teach me, you know, song and dance. And then I started bringing the boys with me. Um, so the boys used to come and then we, you know, we had ourselves a little little dance crew there. And um, so it was me and all the boys and like we became brothers, became family. And we always looked out for each other and we shared that, you know. So that was our little yeah. thing. Yeah. Did you feel like that helped you re-engage with school when your, like, uncles came in? Yeah, yeah, a bit, a bit, because if we mucked up, they wouldn't take us. Yeah. yeah. So, but, and that was part of the thing, you know what I mean? You had to, if you're mucking up, yeah, then you had to sit out, like, they'd sit you over this train and you used to have to watch all the other boys dance while you're sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> Time out. When you're being yeah. too cheeky, send you off into, like, the bush. Yeah, so... In that respect, yeah, it did help me re-engage back with school. Um, but the problems were still there, you know? But it did you feel, there. yeah, did you feel like you experienced a lot of, you know, redneck behaviour? Like, was that a massive thing growing up in primary school and high school? Why don't, did you go to high school? Yeah, I went to high school, yeah. Yeah. Was that uh, like a, prom, a prominent thing back then? Hey, going to high or school. Or acceptable. No. Not oh no, I mean like the racism. Oh yeah, no, it was yeah, it was it was heaps of it back back then. Um yeah, it was it was weird. It was weird because like there was a lot of we had we had white mates and that, but like there was still heaps of racism around. It was um you know, funny funny like most of it was from the teachers. You know what I mean? Really? Most of most of the racism was from the teachers and they're the ones that's supposed to, you know. Um, help you grow and develop and, you know, foster your abilities and that. And they were the ones putting you down. So that was the biggest difficulty with it. Like, Yeah, it's funny. Like they, it almost like embeds, I don't know if that's the right word, but embeds into you. Like, and it's back then when you think of it, it was way more acceptable than it is now. Like if you heard a teacher saying that now, they'd, they'd get pulled into the office. Well, you'd hope so. I actually had, this is really awful. <clears throat> I So I just stopped youth working, but I was a youth worker. And um, I went to a school a school meeting with um this young Aboriginal boy that I'd just met and the teacher and they compared they said like they compared being Aboriginal to being disabled like we have like the way she was talking she was and not saying anything bad about people who are disabled but she was explaining it like Aboriginal people are disabled and that's why they need this help and I was sitting there going like what the fuck 
man. Like, does she even know what she's saying? Like that, and that going into that little black boy's head, being like, "Shit, man!" Like they're comparing me just because I'm Aboriginal doesn't mean I have a disability, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, that's no good. Do you feel like it's kind of shaped? I know, like, do you feel like it's shaped who you are as a person and your music, like the drive to kind of be better and always strive for more, like in our community as well? Yeah, 100%. Like, that's what music was to me. One, it was my healing. Two, it was how I said, fuck you. Yeah. Uh, You know, so, and I liked, yeah, I liked that defiance. Like, you know, I was very rebellious. I was a very defiant person, so... Um, music was a vehicle for me to channel that, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, for sure. So, but yeah, it, it was healing for me and it was it was that. Um, who was your, like, who were your top five, if you can name them, people when you were growing up in terms of, like, rap or music that you looked up to? Um, yeah, so uh, I liked Jimmy Little a lot as a kid, like, Growing up in Nara, a lot of people loved, loved him down there, you know, because he was from around that way as well. Mm-hmm. Um, my big cousin who got me into rapping in Selway. Um, and then, you know, there's people like Eminem, 50 Cent, um, Last Connection, Street Warriors, all of those type of... It's funny to see how the shift has kind of changed. Like, back when I was younger, it was all like, well, because I grew up in the Northern Territory. So all of that music was like full on hip hop. It was 50 Cent. It was Eminem. And now it's like, I feel like there's a big shift to grime within young yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, it's that. funny how you see like the generations change. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, um, you know, I can kind of, you can tell like the caliber of, you know, lyricism and what they do. Like, you can tell where it's like, you can hear certain people like, oh, yeah, you came up with the 50 Cent Eminem era. And then you can hear other people like, oh, yeah, you came around when when I was like Little Yachty and Little Pump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not – I personally, I'm more like – I'm more old school hip-hop and stuff than um, like Little Yachty. <laughs> Is it Yachty? Yachty. Yachty. Yeah, Yachty. Um, so how did you get into Bad Apples? Like how did that connection come about? Um, yeah, so Briggs, he was like um, – he was a friend of my manager at the time. Um and so Briggs was always someone that kind of reached out from time to time. This is years before Bad Apples. Like, he'd, you know, reach out, check in, see how I'm going, give me advice and whatnot. Actually, um, I met Briggs briefly at a workshop he was doing up here in Sydney. Um, I kind of just dropped in because he was there, wanted to meet him and whatnot. So that's when I first met him. And then, you know, uh, played a show or two with him. Um, you know, a couple of years later when... Uh, I was on tour with Last Connection and Briggs was playing the Sydney show. Um, so I linked up with him again there. Then, you know, just ran into him from time to time in Melbourne and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, a couple of years later, he started Bad Apples and he, yeah, he just chucked me on. Is it like, it must be pretty deadly growing up as a black fella and then being signed to a label. Is it, would you call it, is Bad Apples a label? Yeah, that's a label. I don't know, like, the term- terminology, but being signed to a label that is by, you know, us black mom and for the black mom. Mm. Like, yeah. that's pretty empowering. And, like, because I work in a an Aboriginal organisation and it's so different to working in mainstream. Like, you see the difference because you always feel supported because it's, like, your sis or your brother or your cousin, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yep. 
are you really close? Like, are you close to any of the other Bad Apples um, mob? Yeah, yeah, all of them, eh? Close to all of them. Like, um, me and Birdie are like the the two original ones there. Um, mm-hmm. So, it's, yeah, we're like the old boys, you know? Uh, the old boys. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, Kobe and Barker, like, close with, um, especially Kobe, like, he's like my little brother, you know what I mean? Mm. You, uh, do you mob like have a similar kind of upbringing in the sense that I know that Kobe, you know, from speaking to him, he came from like a youth background. Like he went to, I think it was Weave Youth and he kind of like started with his music going through youth programs. Is that kind of the similar upbringing to what you had? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So I started, yeah, I was recording at the youth centre down in Nara. Um, yeah, it's funny that. Do you feel like that's kind of was one of the connections that you guys had with that um, like similar upbringing or? Um, yeah, I'm not, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just, um, yeah, my, like I wasn't really doing, um, like I think Kobe was like in like workshops and like, um, mm. what do you call it? Like actual youth work type of thing. I was, um, I just happened to walk past the, the youth center was like a very new thing in there. It wasn't, um, wasn't there before. And I kind of just walked past one day as they it wasn't even finished. It wasn't even open. Um, yeah, it was just one of those days. I was having a shit day at school. I went, fuck it. I'm going home. So I started to walk home and there's like this new building right across from the cop shop. And I was, you know, it's, it's narrow when you see something different, like you notice it. So I just walked in there and it's like, oh, what's this? Oh, this is a youth centre. And like, we didn't have things like that at the time. So I was like, fuck's a youth centre. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah, so I was, um, yeah, it was a youth centre and they had a studio in there and, um, yeah, I recorded um, recorded a song, and um, you know all the anger and frustration I was feeling from school it was it was gone, and I, I was hooked on that feeling. And I was like, oh shit, this is mad. So I went back every day, and recorded. Um, yeah, I think um, yeah, that's how I kind of got into it and whatnot. Um, but me and Kobe, like, he grew up around Lapa, Lapa ways like Maroubra. Um, Lexo and whatnot, and uh, like those families are a lot of the same families as down home. So like a uh, very similar mob, like talk, talk how we do. Like we're different than everyone else, you know what I mean? Different than yeah, yeah. Sydney followers and whatnot. So it was like we kind of clicked that way. Yeah. Was that a moment talking about when you were at the youth centre? Was that the moment you can kind of remember that you kind of knew music was for you? Or was there another time that you were like, fuck, man, this is what I have to do. Like, this is my purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, it was, there was a few, actually. So, um, I had a big cousin, like, he's gone now. He's not, he passed away a couple of years ago. But, like, he, he was, like, he was my idol. Like, everything he'd done, I'd copy him. Like, whether it was good or bad. If he mucked up, I mucked up. Maybe that's for the reason why I'm driving around no license because he's driving around <laughs> no license and whatnot. So I thought it was cool, you know what I mean? I thought that was for yeah. what you do. <laughs> um, so. You always follow your big brothers or your big sisters, eh? Yeah, yeah. So like this this fellow was my one. Um, Ryan Selway was his name. And uh, so he was a rapper. He was from the city and whatnot. He used to come down home for holidays and shit. Um, so it was like, it was always, you know, I was exposed to something different. Like he'd come down dressed like a city kid and like, just different, you know, and I was like, I thought that was mad shit. And uh, so, yeah, he was rapping. And so I just, just followed, just done it because he done it. 
simple as that. And um, yeah, it was by doing that that I noticed the effect that it had on me when I done it at the youth center. I was like, oh, this, you know, this, this is like a healing journey. This is, this is, what, this is what fixes you up. This is like going into to the ocean. It's the mm. same. It's like dancing, you know? So like in ceremony, it's the same. Get the same strength from it. True God. Yeah. Hey, that's why like connection to country and culture is so important. Like that's what we try and, uh, we try and really not drill into our kids, but give them the opportunity because that's our culture and our ceremonies and stuff. They actually heal us. And that's why music and arts are so important for young people. Yeah. Yeah. And not a lot for anyone that knows and does it properly. They know the feeling. They know, you know what happens. I do that with music. When I get there on stage, it's that same, you know, that same thing. Um, so that was one part of it. And then um, it's when I, I went and uh, done a song with Taboo from Black Eyed Peas in like 2000. What? Yeah. No way. How did that happen? Um, so from Nara, I came up and I was knocking around Redfern a fair bit and um, going to the community centre there recording songs and whatnot. And, you know, back then, artists, when they'd come over here, they used to, they used to want to go to Redfern. Um, you know, Snoop Dogg pulled up at Redfern once. Um, all sorts of people. Just, Why do you reckon that is? I, I got no idea. I can't tell you. You have to ask <laughs> one of the older Redfern mob dude. Yeah, I got no idea. Maybe... It's in the heart of the city. Maybe they knew about black followers and they said, oh, where's all the black people out? So they're taking the red fern. Probably, eh? And yeah. actually probably has some truth to it because if you're black and you're coming from the, like, United States or whatever, you yeah. come to Australia, which is, like, biggest mob of white people too, especially yeah. in cities. It's like, where the black mob at? Yeah, yeah. So that, yeah, that, that, that could be it. That's probably it. Um, yeah, so Black Eyed Peas, um, Taboo rocked up one time and uh, came to the youth centre with... Um, Russell James and Donna Karen, they were doing like um, a project. And so, yeah, they wanted to come check out Redfern. They'd come to the studio. There was a bunch of us kids there doing, you know, doing our thing. And um, yeah, we had a little freestyle session and whatnot and got to chat. And then they, yeah, they flew me over the next year. And then that's when I, um, that was the moment where I was like, oh, I can do this, you know? Um, still a little bit unrealistic. I thought I was going to be super famous. I thought I was going to be like, <laughs> The first kid, Leroy, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go back home. I'm going to, you know, because they were looking after me out there. Like, I was staying at the W. They gave me uh, a credit card. I was I was ordering lobster for breakfast. Like, what? It, it was next level. And I was like, I got a taste of that. And I thought it was, I was going to have that for good. Um, but, yeah, no, I come back home, you know, got to grind away. Like, yeah. What was it like being like a little black kid from Nara? going overseas and then, uh, like, eating lobster, this credit card, especially when you're black, like, us mob, we just, like, yeah, you know, give yeah. out cash, whatever. Yeah, well, you know, I grew up eating lobster, but, like, that, that's the first time I paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> we usually just catch them ourselves, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, it was mad. Like, it was definitely a spin out because, like, especially, like, as it was happening, kind of staying at my auntie's house down in Shell Harbour there and, you know, just, like, you, you know, Lifting up the cushions on the lounge, trying to find some money. Yeah, true. Yeah, trying, to, trying to order a pizza and whatnot. It was like legit. I was flipping the cushions, looking for money, trying to order some dominoes <laughs> and that. And then I get the phone call like, hey, you're on the flight next week. I was like, fucking what? Um, so, yeah, 
was a while from like growing up. I don't know if you like, did you listen to Black Eyed Peas a lot when you were younger? Yeah, they were like the shit. Like they yeah. were the shit. You know, you'd chuck on Black Eyed Peas or they'd be on the radio. It was like that kind of music. Was yeah. it crazy to think like you've gone from that listening to the Black Eyed Peas and being like, what the fuck? Like I'm getting flown overseas. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. To work with these mods. 100%. 100% I did. And this is like, you know, um, I, I'm not going to be dates up. It was like 2008, 2009, 10, something like that. So like, Late nineties, early two thousands, when they were at the top of the game, they were the biggest. Two thousand and eight, I reckon, was like one of the peak years for music. In that, yeah. that kind of music, I always remember that year. Yeah, and it was like, yeah, game changing. Like that's when you know Kanye and Will I Am were kind of like the the two biggest producers, and they were doing their thing. Um, Drake was just coming out, you know, like it was a it was a big year. Um, so yeah, um, done that little thing, eh? Um, Mad experience opened my eyes, showed me a lot of things, showed me the difference between, you know, how things work here, how things work there. Was um, it was it really different, like, culturally? Not culturally in terms of, like, us mob culture, but, like, just generally, like, culturally being there? Is it a really different environment? Yeah, yeah, heaps. Like, um, like I was knocking around with all these celebrities, eh? Like, hanging out, like... A, I was kicking back in like gated off communities and like just yeah, I was sitting in the sitting in the car there with one fella and he's on the phone to Eminem. I was just like it was a massive what? Yeah. Like they were going to dinner that night. I was trying to get to the dinner, it didn't happen, but like yeah. I could just hear him on the phone, that was good enough for me. Um wow. but yeah, like I was full like so that was the first time I went over. And then the second time I went back to launch the song and I'm I'm telling you, like I was like fresh out of narrow man. Like um so the second time I went back, I was staying down the road from a bunch of like label offices, like um it was Aftermath was there, Def Jam was there, just like a row of like all these uh like big offices for the labels. Um so anyways, walking walking past and I yeah, Aftermath was there, which is Dre's label and that. I walk in, just straight off the street, I walk in. Go to the counter, I'll say, hey, is, uh, is that Dr. Dre here? And then they full, like, responded to me. Like, they're not used to that type of shit. Like, a random person doesn't just walk in the aftermath and ask for fucking Dr. Dre. Um, so they thought I was serious. And they said, oh, nah, Dre's not in. Dre usually only comes in when he's got a hand in a project or for listening session. But Jimmy Iveen's here if you'd like to organise a meeting. And I was, nah, 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 nah. Like, you know what I mean? And Nicki Minaj was sitting there in the fucking foyer. Um, yeah. And then later, later that night, later that night, I'm glad I didn't because it would have been a fucking shame job. When we launched the song, Beats, this is like Beats were kind of just coming out. Beats sponsored the event and there was Beats, the headphones were everywhere and you could like listen to the song on the Beats. It was like we had big screens. You could walk up, chuck the shit on, listen, like before we done it live and that. And Jimmy Iovine was there. And I met like, shook his hand, met him that, that night. So was, No like, way! Shame job if I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Dude, well, that must be wild meeting a music producer like Jimmy Iovine. Yeah, yeah. And they were breaking down, you know, they were breaking down the industry to me. Like, I had a breakfast with somebody on his team the next morning and they were talking to me about, like, what it takes. Like, this back then, it'd be a shitload more now. It'd be like, oh, you know, for us to break an artist, it costs a million dollars. We've got to put a million dollars into this person to, you know. And, yeah, so it was like. Is yeah. it similar like that in Australia? No, 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 no. Like over here, it's a little different. Like, if you got that money like that, it definitely helps. 
but like there's other ways other ways to do things here like you look at the one four boys you know the the route they carved doing this like there's, there's other things um Briggsy, you know the way he's done it yeah I guess it's really like it I've, I feel like at the moment it's a really exciting time for us mob like black fellas in general like I feel like we're starting to really be like there's a long way to go but we're starting to be really celebrated I don't know. I felt like this NAIDOC week, especially, you know, like Triple J had heaps of stuff on, heaps of events around the, like Australia, social media. There's a lot, I feel like there's a big push for like recognizing him and acknowledging us, Mom. Yeah, yeah. We're definitely, um, you know, definitely moving forward. That's for sure. Like, but yeah, this NAIDOC week was hectic. I was calling it the, like, the NAIDOC miracle. It was like, um, Bam Bam won his fight. Ash Barty won Wimbledon and Paddy Mills hit that winner shot there. I was like, three for three. Dude, that's what I mean. It was wild. It uh, was like almost like a really empowering NADOC. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Bam Bam and Shake Leg in, uh, in the Octagon there. Like, <laughs> oh, that was mad. So uh, what was your journey into broadcasting? Like now you're, you know, host of Blackout, Triple J, big big star there. Right, well... Let you in the, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll keep this one secret for a little while. Um, so, uh, I used to work at ABC Indigenous and I was like, used to do social media there and I was making just like memes. So, like, I was doing a bunch of memes on the account. So, whenever you see like the memes and that on ABC Indigenous, um, I used that's to pump you. them out. And then <laughs> that's how I got, got over to Triple J. So, Triple J were, you know, they've been in talks and doing this for a long time. Um, so like they've you know been talking to this person that person trying to you know figure it out get it get something ready like an indigenous show and they needed somebody to come over and like get the voice for it like create the tone of the show and they they you know they knew my work at work over at ABC Indigenous they seen what I could do and they're like oh yeah yeah can you come and you know kind of create some content you know give us a voice like for this like structure and whatnot. So I went over there just, just to do that. And I was just, yeah, banged out a couple of show demos and whatnot. And they ended up asking me to stay. So I said, yeah, let's go. Let's do it. Yeah. Wow, that's wild. Yeah. Do you love it? Do you see yourself being in broadcasting for a long time? Or what are you, like, yeah. what's your vibes about that? Yeah, no, I definitely love it. Because, um, you know, for me, it's always been about bringing the next ones up. It's always about helping, helping and sharing. Like, growing up. Sharing was big for us, um, you know. Yeah, kind of got caught, taught that from from a young age. Like, if you had food, you bring it home, you share it. And if you if you don't have enough to share, you eat that shit before you get home. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, full on. So sharing was always like a big thing. If you got and you can and you can afford to share, then you do that. Don't be greedy. So for me, I've I've always tried to help people with music, like you know, bringing people through, like. Toby D. Um, I remember Barker sent me a, like a, a DM once, like just like a just rapping in a in a bedroom and that just like she just reached out and she goes, Hey, you you know, I like your music, blah blah blah. Um, trying to get into rapping myself, can you have a listen? So yeah, she sent it over and then yeah, I've seen her do her thing and the, I said, Oh, this is mad. And then I asked her, I said, Hey, you ever done it live? She goes, Nah. I said, Do you want to? And she said, oh, yeah. I said, all right, I'm going to show you this weekend, come through. And then it was a NADOC show and a carriage work. So, yeah, bring Barker out for that um, little show there. And then 
Look at wow. it now, passionate. it. So like here, uh, you know, this is a new platform for us. And this one, this one, I really get to just kick back and just flood it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, make sure the, the mob, make sure the ones that, you know, didn't necessarily get a look at before, everyone's getting looked at now. And, yeah, uh, for sure. You know, so uh, playing everything, everything. Like, it doesn't matter if you record it on the phone, you know. Trying, True. Yeah. We're actually getting some um, – so I did a yarn with um, Heaps Decent in Sydney. Do you know them, Mob? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, the guys, Kobe used to do the – Yeah, so yeah. they sent me through, like, a bunch of young people's um, – young people's – music so i'm gonna like link it in my instagram soon because i on i believe too it's so important to give those young mob that are just starting off that opportunity and like that shine you know even if it's real backyard like that's so cool that they're doing that yeah 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 that was one of the things when i went in there i said look if we're gonna do the show we've got to do it proper and that's you know the you know the full spectrum of this like we're gonna play the most polished stuff we got which is like kid Leroy, but i'm also gonna play a kid that this is his first song he's ever recorded. I'm going to play some, you know, even the brother boys on the inside recording on dodgy phones. I'm going to play that because it is what yeah. it is. It's real, you know, it's part of it. For Everything sure. has its place. Everything. And, and it speaks um, their truth as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's like, if we're going to do it, we're going to, we're going to do it right. Like even do traditional you... stuff. Like the first show we opened, it, the first song was a traditional song. Like yeah. welcome song from their home. So from your From your country? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, true. That's cool. Do you feel uncomfortable? Like, you know, you've been in the music industry for a while now. Do you feel uncomfortable still? I don't know if you did, but kind of speaking your truth through music, especially about us mob, because I know like growing up as a young person, sometimes you'd have to, you'd be in situations where people might be like racist or saying a certain thing about us mob and you kind of have to speak the truth. And it's that uncomfortable feeling of them being uncomfortable and you being uncomfortable. Um, no, because for me, it was like music brought the warrior out, you know what I mean? That was the person Mm -hmm. like that. Music was my protection. Like me as as a person, yeah, sometimes I might have felt uncomfortable. But, you know, music was a way of, like, that that, that channel that spirit, you know, that warrior that came out, didn't give a fuck. Say what I wanted to say, like, like, that was, he was scared of nothing. And that's, uh, yeah, never never felt uncomfortable with the music. No. I guess music kind of gives you that um, that power as well. Like even if you're not a rapper or a singer, you know, when you're listening to music or something that you like, it empowers you and it makes you feel a certain way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So what are your, you know, as, as Triple J's Blackout host, what are your top five black songs at the moment? Um... Oh, I haven't I haven't heard that new Kid Leroy Justin Bieber one, but I'm I'm assuming that'll that'll make the cut. Um, but yeah, like I love what Leroy's doing. That new Barker King Brown's heck. Oh, that um, is seriously that is. I listened to it yesterday or Friday when it came out, and I was like, sis, that is so good. It's like it reminds me of like a Cardi B but Blackfella version. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like and and it relates to how us mobs speak too, like all the slang and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, so cool. Yeah, and uh, there's another another guy, Wine G Marta. He's um, he's got a song called uh, "Talk to You Later." It's pretty sick. Um, "Say True God," um, from up Brisbane, ways there. 
Um, he's got a joint Future Kings, which is mad. Like there, there's heaps out there. Eh? Kobe, Dallas Woods, it's hectic. Um, yeah, stuff. The trials. Loving what trials is doing. Um, yeah. Um, there's yeah heaps. How do you find your music for your show? Like, how do you kind of scout that those black fellas too? Um, like I, I just got mine. Everything. Like, so if you're listening, trust me, I'm watching. Like, I've got my eye on SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, everything, what, what other people are sharing. Um, people send, sending me emails, sending stuff through, just asking around, you know. But, like, I've always had that, I've always had my, you know, my ear to the ground, my eye on the street. So I've always kind of, I've had a good, you know, um, good eye for it, like being on the pulse. So, you know, I think that's another another reason why I landed the gig because I kind of, yeah, I've got, I've got that, uh, I've got that sight, you know, yeah, yeah, for sure. Did you taking it back to the kid Laura? Like, it's pretty cool to see, you know, we've got a black fella in the states making big names, especially his name, you know, the kid Leroy, Camilla Roy. Like, yeah. did you have much to do with him when he was down here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, she used to hang out with him. I used to buy him lunch and that. He could, uh, Probably buy me lunch now, the lad. Like, <laughs> Probably little, buy the whole mob lunch now. <laughs> yeah, him and his little brother Ozzy, like just, just you know, like big uncle just chucking twenty dollars here, boys go have a feed and that. So he used to, yeah, things like that. Snuck him into his first show. So like again, I had a Nadoc show on, and um, so it was me, Kobe D, Becca Hatch, um, Acacia, like a bunch of people, and uh, Leroy hits me up and goes, "Can I come? Can I come?" And he's only 15. Yeah, you're right. So kind of, yes. Took him in there and um, he got up and performed the song and like blew everyone away. A couple of years later, he's, you know, he's doing what he's doing now. But like, yeah, just that, you know, just hanging out with him. I remember when he told me about his name too. Like that was, I said, bro, it's Kid Leroy. Kid Leroy, Camilla Roy. I was like, ah, oh, look out. That's my... Um, yeah. But yeah, no, nah, he he's solid. What he's doing is, you know, so it's mad, and it's just still young from time to time. Like it's um yeah, doing you know doing a song with Justin Bieber. Yeah, that's wild. Actually, when he first started releasing his music, I had a feeling that yeah he would collaborate with Justin Bieber. I don't know. It kind of just reminded me of like Justin Bieber's story when you know he started out real young and people taking him under his wing and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, really important too to know, like, I've watched a couple of videos on Leroy, you know, back when he was real young in yeah. Sydney and, like, going around the streets and meeting up with all his mates and stuff. And I think it's really important that that side of the story is shown because it, you know, it makes other black boys want to be like, okay, well, you know, he's from Sydney. He's from, like, my cousin knows him kind of thing. Like, if he yeah. can get like that, then I can get like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Like, uh, I think, you know, poor kitty cops a bit. Like, you know, people want to sit there and run their mouth, say he doesn't do this and doesn't do that, but him just doing what he's doing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's crazy. That's enough. Him being that successful shows, you know, shows the next ones that you, you can do it, you know? It's yeah. hard. Like, it wasn't easy. It wasn't that easy for him, you know what I mean? Like, he put in the work. Like, he was a little studio rat. Like... When all us bigger boys were finished, he's 
we're all kicking back, finish recording. And then Leroy's still in the next room. You can hear him screaming at the top of his lungs. Well, like, boy, you got to go to school, go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> but, I guess know, you can tell that he wanted it then, like that drive. Um, and that's why um, he is where he is. 100%. He, like, he, he knew how to finesse his way into situations too. Like, he, like, that's kind of how he got there as well. Like, Ray Shremmed was in town. He'd find out where they were and he'd just pull up on them, start, you know, doing his thing, just trying to meet people. And because he, like, he was good, they used to spin out on him. Like, who's this little, you know, this little kid? He's this little kid rocking up. Yeah. Yep. So, um, you know, even like that uh, Adam 22, that no jumper dude, right? So we, um, he came out for a festival and we were all there. And um, Leroy was trying to get in. And most of the times we could, we could sort him out. This time, we couldn't sort him out. We couldn't get him in there. There was no chance it was happening. And he was at the gate. Oh, can you get me in? Can you get me in? Oh, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. But this one wasn't working. Two days later, he's doing an interview with Leroy. You know what I mean? Like, he, he, yes. he just knows, knows how to grind. He knows how to get himself in front of the right people and make the most of the opportunity, which is where a lot of people don't have that. You know what I mean? Like, get shame or, or whatnot, or they might just kick back and be like, no, no, no. Well, that's the shit you got to do. The opportunity is there. You got to make the most of it. You know what I mean? Mm. And like, I guess it's like having people like, for example, you around or older brothers and whatnot to kind of push them to be like that as well and give them that support, would you say? Yeah, yeah. Well, like, um, he had a, like, and this is somebody I can fight in as well, like somebody I, I talk to a fair bit and get advice off, uh, Uncle Rick. Um, Ricky, so he manages one four. At the moment, um, he he helped out a lot with Leroy. He's the, he's the person that actually introduced me to Leroy, because he knew how important it was to keep your people around. And you know, when there's a, he knew he was going to be special, but he also knew the importance of keeping your mob around. So he goes, I hear me up one day. He goes, oh, I'm working with this, this this kid. I want you to come hang out with him and whatnot. Blah blah blah. And then, yeah, sure enough. So I had a session. And uh, Rick brings Leroy in to do some recording, like, in another room at the same spot. So, anyways, I finished my thing. You guys will come for a meet the lad. And, um, yeah, I heard him do it. Like, it was blown away. I was like, oh, shit, this kid's the one. You know what I mean? He's like, like the Matrix, mm. you know, like Neo. Like, this is the one. Yeah. That was Leroy. Like, he's the one. Um, you could tell. He's only 14 at this moment. 14, almost 15 at this time. And, like, so, oh, shit. Like this kid is something else. Yeah. yeah. So young, eh? 14 and already got that drive. Yeah. Yep. Speaking of young, so your name, so yeah, your crazy. stage name, Nookie, right? Or is that your actual name? Mm. Uh, a bit of both, actually. <laughs> Give me, what's, uh, your, what's your full name? Name's Corey. Corey. Corey John Webster. Yeah. Because you're, um, you're, Old name used to be Young Nookie. Why'd that change? Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I probably I should have kept it. It's like it's a popular thing to do again these days. So, <laughs> right. So, my old man's name, like his nickname was Nookie. And, uh, like, he was the bit of, like, you know, he was like the hot shot in town, like, best footy player and that. Like, he's, everyone knew him. Everybody knew him. And, like, he used to take me to all these footy games and shit. And people used to call me Young Nookie after dad. And, um, so my mates and that, um, like, yeah, they'd see Dad play footy. They'd see me there and, like, their old fellas would call me Young Nookie and now because they'd call me Young Nookie. So it was not something that just stuck. 
So, you know, a lot of my best mates down in Nara, they call me Nooks, Nookie, Young Nookie, whatever. Didn't even know my real name. Like, even still, like, a lot of Sydney, Sydney mates don't know my real name. So it was always something that, um, yeah, was stuck, just stuck. And when I when I got into music, people like um, Little John, Little Wayne, um, uh, why am I forgetting all the young ones? I'm forgetting all. I can remember all the littles. I'm forgetting all the youngs. Um, but like that was the popular thing. That was yeah. the thing, you know. So I was. They already called me Young Nookie, and then that was the popular thing at the time. I was like, oh yeah, sweet Young Nookie, that's me. Let's go. And then as I got older, I was like, you know what I mean. Uh, don't wanna, you know? I don't, I don't want to hit a certain age and be calling myself young. We'll, we'll see what Leroy does if he, you know he gets up to his forties and that's what he calls himself the kid Leroy. Then the kid Leroy, yeah. Um, so yeah, that 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 was it. It was just part of me as maturing as an artist. You know what I mean? Um, mm. And things were different then too. This was like when like the Australian hip hop scene was it was Aussie hip hop that dominated the shit. And if you had anything that was sort of an American influence, they weren't having a bar of it. Like legit, like they were not having a bar. If you if you had young with your name, you had little with your name. If you rapped in an accent, nah. You what? Yeah, it's not That's happening. That's crazy. It's How you see happening. times have changed, eh? Changed big time, big time. So I kind of I came up on the on the cusp. I came up on. I, I caught the end of that era, you know. Mm-hmm. The end of that era, and I sort of adjusted myself to be able to, you know, make moves in that, and then the shift. So like I can, you know, I can, you know, respect that and and know that, and like a lot of these like younger guys, the new the new ones, that I know that, and yeah, like it, it was brutal, it was brutal. If you got up there and you sounded American, you better get out of that venue real quick. Were you a big were you big on Aussie rap when you were younger? Nah, fuck no. No. What about Aussie rap now? Yeah, like, see, like, when I say fuck no, like, yeah, I was, but it wasn't my main thing. Mm. Like, I was on the, because Selway was, he was uh, half Māori, half Blackfella. I came up on the New Zealand shit. The New Zealand stuff was my shit first. Like, I liked that. I preferred the New Zealand stuff over the Australian. Like, I'll probably get dragged for this, but, like, fuck, it is what it is. Like, I looked at the Australian stuff and I didn't really see myself. Um, you know, it was too, uh, not until like last connection and Briggs, um, you know? Is that because you're, you identified more like you're a black fella, so you identify yeah. more with black fellas? Yeah, that, that's exactly yeah. what I mean. Yeah, like I, I still appreciate it and liked it. Like Hilltop Hoods were mad. Yeah, Bliss like, and Esso. Like, yeah, boys could rap, like they, they could, they were good. And, mm. but like the one that, the album that really swung it around for me that made me go, fuck yeah, this is hectic was um M Phase's Good Gracious. He had like a like a compilation album with a bunch of people. It was horror show was on there. Um, you know, Dielectrics was on there. Um, yeah, 360 was on there, like there was heaps, and like that's that's when I, I kinda that's what turned me right around. But like before that, like I had had Funk Wars albums and shit, I had Hilltop, um, I liked it, hundred percent. I liked it. It was just like it wasn't really my thing, you know what I mean? Just, just as, just from being black. Um, but as a rapper, Sesta and Trials, they're the, they're beasts, you know. So would the you rapper, say the rapper part of me could really respect and be like, oh, this is fucking hectic. 
But the black kid, I much preferred to listen to T.I., you know what I mean? T.I., oh, God, yes. That shit was, like, the the shits back then. Yeah, yeah, so I was like, yeah, it was, uh, it was a very tricky one. Like, yeah, I listened to Australian hip-hop, but it wasn't my bag. Yeah, would you classify, bag. yeah, would you classify you and Kobe as Aussie hip-hop? Like, what would you put, or black hip-hop, or, like, what would you Man, I don't rap? Know. What would be your genre? I don't even know if labels anymore, eh? <laughs> Just rap. There's, there's so Just much, rap. there's so much stuff that I'm like, Man, this is like there's like five kinds of rap these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, we're black fellas and just rappers. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> who, yeah. who in like so the Nemas are going on this year? I think this year, mm. late this year. Who, in your opinion, would if you know who's nominated, um, will win Artist of the Year? You reckon? Look, I think Leroy's nominated. You can't put it past him. He probably won't win it. But no one's doing what Leroy's doing, so if he doesn't yeah. win it, what's, what's going on? You know what I mean? What's mm-hmm. going on if Leroy loses to, you know what I mean? Not to discredit anyone else and what they're doing, but like... But he's in no the States, doing, you know? No one's doing what he's doing, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I don't know. Awards awards and accolades and all those type of things are tricky, you know? It is what it mm-hmm. is. You win some, you lose some, whatever. It's not the be-all and end-all. It'd be yeah. sick to kind of get him back here um, to perform. Yeah. I guess yeah. we've got all that COVID stuff, but. That'll be it'll be happening. It'll be happening for sure. It might be waiting until he's of age. I don't even know if he's 18 yet. I think, he, yeah, I don't. Yeah. He's so young, man. I yeah. remember listening. Oh, he released a song and it was talking about like, just like all this sexual stuff. And I was like, how old is this yeah, boy? Well, like, <laughs> yeah, we teased him a couple of times when like the younger like the younger years, you'd, you know, say stuff like that. Like, hey, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, bruss, is that even happening? Like, are you dreaming that? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what we say. No, you never. <laughs> yeah. ah, is there any advice you'd give to your younger self? Like if you could tell 16, 17-year-old Nookie, young Nookie, what would it be? Yeah, just make a couple better decisions. Mm. Like, um... And uh, don't waste time. Don't sit on shit. See, that's um, wasted a lot of time. Wasted a lot of time. But, like, you know, I'm happy. I'm happy with how things went and how they're going. Could have been a lot better. 100% could have been a lot better if I would have, you know, capitalised my time properly, capitalised on, on the hype, which is, um, you know, and if I moved a little bit better with certain scenarios. But, like, that's the advice I'll give to the young guys now that if Kobe's flying, and I tell him all the time, like, don't be me, bro. Don't be, you know, don't don't do it how I done it because you got all this hype at the moment, and you, you're just gonna sit back and just be like, whatever. You know what I mean? Five years will pass, and you gotta do it again. You go again. Mm. So, don't do that. Don't don't do it how I done it because it's not the right way to do it. Like, yeah. Where can you see yourself in five years from now? Like, roughly, you know, what would where would you like to see Nookie? Old Nookie, Maggie. Five years from now, I'd, I'd like to be back home. But like, even like, I'm I'm loving what I'm doing at the moment. But like, I'm not going to be one of those people. When I'm out of ideas, that's when I move on. When I'm out of ideas, man, then that's you know I'm doing everybody a disservice. If I'm going to sit there and you know keep running up the ball on on something like blackout. As soon as I'm 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 out of it. As soon as, soon as you know the ideas stop flowing, as soon as it's not fresh, then that's when I pass it on to the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But yeah, five years time, I'd like to be home back on the South Coast doing my thing. Like I've got a got a few things up my sleeve that I would like to have accomplished by five years time. Um, like by that point, I'd like to just sit back, sit back and have a good fish, jump in the water, be living off abalone and lobster. Um, you know what I mean? That's the dream. Yeah. Lobster you don't have to pay for. Lobster, that's it. Don't need no black IPs credit card. <laughs> nah, nah, but it would be would be useful. Yeah, that would be useful, hey. Can you use well, that bread to put it on? <laughs> well, thanks, Nookie, for coming on Mob Talk today. It's been sick. Nah, um, no, I can't me, wait man. to hear more of your shit on Triple J everywhere. Yeah, soon, very soon. He's been deadly talking to you. Ah, uh, hectic. Thanks, that's sis. No, nah, all good. I'll all right. chat to you soon. Yeah, yeah. All right, later. Bye. Thanks everyone for joining us on Mob Talk this week. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends and don't forget to chuck us a follow on Instagram. And we'll see you all for another yarn soon.